are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 16, Grandfather of Image Comics. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast coming at you again for our 16th consecutive time. Well, I say 16th, it's probably more like the 18th, because we did have those two episodes in the middle there. And now I'm rambling. I'm Jim Purcell. <laughs> I'm Craig Olson. I'm Adam Pruitt. And uh, we're here again. Uh, we got a very special episode lined up. We've got a special guest again. Got another interview like we said we would might do next time, and we came through for once. Uh, we're going ha- to have uh, Gary Carlson on the show, who you probably know if you are a fan of Savage Dragon, is the creator of the character Vanguard and the writer of most of Vanguard's adventures. But we'll get to that later. If you're not a fan of Savage Dragon, I don't know why you're listening to this. It's a very good question. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, let's uh, talk about some Eric Larson news. Take it away, Adam. Ant, uh, the guy that created Ant, Mario Gully, um, who was slated to draw an issue. Um, We talked about this with Eric when he was on. Um, Before Eric launches his new Ant series, they were going to do one where Mario was going to basically draw the conclusion to his old Ant series and sort of wrap up the book. And um, that's not going to be happening now. Uh, The book's been uh, basically... Mario was... uh, posting some pencil pages that he'd done and he'd, he'd gone pretty significantly off script. And um, there was a specific scene that was a little bit hypersexual. And the problem was that this would mean that retailers would be treating this as a mature book when it was an all ages book and Eric's book was going to be an all ages book. And uh, anyway, they had a bit of a disagreement over it and they eventually just decided, you know, Mario wanted to do this thing and, Eric wanted to do his thing, so it decided to uh, part ways, and um, it was mutual, uh, despite what uh, maybe inferred on Bleeding Cool or other such sites like yeah, that. Yeah, Bleeding, Bleeding Cool kind of ran with that story, and it got kind of crazy. It, it's Yeah, it's not really like a, as crazy as the said it is, but um, it's you have to appreciate like the situation too of like Mario Gully is his position is you know this is my character. And, you know, I want to do it my way, but like sucks because it's not not his character anymore, you know? And, and, um, so I I can appreciate it's a difficult or uncomfortable position to be in, to have, like, you've purchased this other person's character and you're telling them like, um, what to do with it. yeah, Yeah. But like, to his credit, too, you know, Eric's being, like, accused of censoring Mario. His, the reality is Mario was changing what was laid down and they sort of already previously agreed upon. 
and uh, you know, so really, it, he's unfortunate situation. Yeah, I guess you could say that, and it's kind of an unfortunate situation. Uh, I would have yeah, liked it's... to have seen Mario's last issue, but um, you know, it is what it is, and and, and um, I don't think they have any hard feelings. So, I think I think it's good in a way. I mean, it's uh, well. First of all, to touch on what you point your what you talked about, you know, Eric invested probably a good chunk of money in this character. So if he has a game plan, you know, he's put the money down, you know, it's, he's got to do what he thinks is best to, to make yeah. this investment work. So Mario was in a tough spot and he decided to sell his character and, it, you know, Eric had, had liked the character and, and thought that there were things that could be done with it. And, um, he helped him out and, um, he's got a different, I think he's got, you know, his idea of where he wants it to go and, and they weren't seeing eye to eye on that. And, you know, right. as happens, as happens with books all the time, you know, they just had kind yeah. of creative differences. And so that book's not but happening. I think, uh, you know, Eric was being just kind of like the nice guy of, Hey, you can conclude your series and get closure. But I think in the long run, you know, if, if it would have went through and Gully would have concluded, you know, Ant with issue 12 of volume two, when it was also at volume three at, you know, another publisher, it just would have been all confusing. And then for Eric to come out with a new Ant one, I, I think this is almost a blessing in disguise for, for the book. I think, you know, Eric was just being a nice guy. And I, I think it would have hurt the book to, to kind of, it would have just been confusing. Um, so I, I personally think it's good for Eric just to kind of come out with a number one, a new direction, you know, it's been how many years since, you know, issue 11 of the, the, the second volume through Image came out. It would just be weird. And, now, I, did, I don't know Ant from anything because it was one of those series I sort of ignored when it was getting some buzz. But uh, was the initial 11 issue Image series an all ages series? I got the impression that it was not so much. It, it was. I mean, skewing older. But but not it was not pornographic. Okay. And, yeah. And, as much and, as like Savage Dragons, like all ages in some points, you know. Uh, it's, well, I mean, there's 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 some violence points, I'll and there's some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it wasn't definitely wasn't like a G-rated book, but I mean, there was some you well, know, but it was sexuality X, in it. It definitely wasn't X-rated, you know. Either. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So. Um, but if you saw this page that you know, I'm not Mario sure. I saw posted, the page. I don't think I call it X-rated, but uh, I'll... it's not X-rated. No, but but, no, but, but but it would require a mature like, reader's re- label, right? Retailers would think of it as right. X-rated because of you know all of the the baggage that yeah. you know just having a one panel like that brings along, right? And so it may as well be you know full on <laughs> porn at True that enough. point. It was like really, in my opinion, it was kind of really unnecessary. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, I get that. Um, so, so yeah, that's so, that. It's a so just to be cl- news, just to be clear um, to our audience, the 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 twelfth issue of the original series will not be created, but Eric is still going ahead with his interpretation of the character. It's, it's not even the original series. I think there's like oh. to date, it's like three volumes. It's. I think Mario was supposed to give closure to the image kind of series, yeah. which ran 11 issues. Um, he was going to do the 12th, and now that's not going to happen. Right. So, I suppose we will move on to the uh, main feature of our episode. All right, we are excited to have Gary Carlson on the show. 
Gary is being um, Gary is known for being the creator and publisher of the Megaton Comics Anthology series, which uh, introduced many new comic book talents, which included Eric Larson, Rob Liefeld, and uh, Angel Mendias um, and Angel Mendia. Gary is the co-creator of Vanguard and has uh, collaborated with Larson on various properties, including the 23-issue run of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from Image Comics back in the back in the 90s, as well as uh, big two books such as uh, Nova and Aquaman. Uh, Gary is uh, known for being a co-creator of the Big Bang comic book line. Uh, good to have you on the show, Gary. Thanks. Good to be Thanks. here. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, Gary, we thought we would just start and ask you, uh, you know, real basic, like, how did you get into comics and what what led to you starting up Megaton and, and, and that kind of stuff? Do you, were you a big comic fan when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. I've been reading comics uh, since before I was five, I think. My brother was three years older than I was, and uh, he and his friends read them, and and I just kind of got into it um uh, when I was, yeah, five years old, I think there's somewhere there's pictures I drew in kindergarten of of I don't know who, if it was the Adam or Batman or whatever. But yeah, by six, seven years old, I was we were. Uh, I mean, I, I'm an old guy. I'm just about fifty six now, so I, I've been reading since sixty two. 63 mm-hmm. and and I was trading comics with my brother's friends uh stuff from the 50s you know it, it was all DC stuff giants and and whatever so yeah I've been been reading forever so do you, do you remember I mean you say you're a big DC guy would you remember like Marvel in the early 60s when it was just coming around with Spider-Man on the scene and in the Fantastic Four and all those Kirby creations, or were you more just DC? I was a DC guy. Uh, I first became aware of the Marvel stuff uh, in a used bookstore, probably when I was in third or fourth grade. Uh, we had moved, and I, I must have just ignored them on the stands because I don't uh, really remember seeing Marvel comics until... Hmm. Like I said, in a used bookstore, and uh, they didn't have really many back issues of DC stuff, but that's where I first uh, I, I came across. They had Avengers uh, 3, 4, and a, and a couple other ones, and some early Fantastic Fours, and, it, and I only had, you know, a couple of bucks, and it was, what do I pick up? I mean, they I, I'm sure they were pretty cheap you know i mean uh yeah probably 50 cents or something but it's like i just uh had to make a choice and went for the avengers books and gotcha. uh, that yeah that was my introduction to marvel right there i mean after that i started picking them up but first couple of years yeah i was strictly dc and and even then i was strictly i mean mostly a dc guy probably through the end of the 60s, I would guess. And so, like, as a kid, in your head, were, did you always want to, like, kind of write comics or get into the industry, or was that something that just kind of later on? No, I, I loved comics. Um, I, I, I think I was... I, I wanted to be a, a comic strip artist. Uh, the Sunday Funnies um, appealed to me. 
Um, I think I, I, somewhere along the line, I must have seen the movie How to Murder Your Wife with uh, Jack Lemmon, and he was a syndicated cartoonist in there, and I thought, that's the lifestyle for me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, back then, I mean, Flash Gordon and, and the Sunday Funnies, there were just tons of, of uh, papers. You know, Chicago had four papers back then, and yeah. And uh, yeah, there was just yeah, Prince Valiant and Flash Gordon, and and then all the the funny stuff. Uh, that that was that was me. I mean, I was I was I was a big fan of comic books, but I I wanted to be a, a, a cartoonist, a syndicated cartoonist. Yeah, I think people forget that you know you don't have it as much today. I mean, especially since papers don't sell like used to, but there was a lot more serialized kind of. Uh, stories you know uh straightforward stories not just the funny stuff oh yeah yeah steve roper and and uh, mary worth and all that stuff which that's not necessarily what i wanted to do i i i i gravitated toward old flash gordon and whatever but yeah i was a bigfoot kind of guy so yeah yeah so so i know you started megaton around 81 how old were you when when you started that, and did you finance that all of yourself? And how did you find the guys that that contributed to? to uh, yeah, I financed it all out of my own pocket. Um, let's see, I was born in '57, so what what is that? Uh, '67, '77, like twenty-three, or twenty-five, yeah, something. somewhere in there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just I, I was working. I had little bit of disposable income and uh i i fell into it really i didn't really have any plans for it but uh i was going to comic cons at that point and there were just a lot of guys trying to break in and it was Mm. it seemed like a closed uh, a closed market at that point and i kept running into guys that whose stuff that i loved and you know they, they were all saying the same thing i can't get work you know yeah, and, yeah. Uh, somewhere along the line, I I was talking with Butch Geis, and it, it it just occurred to me. I was like, "Gee, somebody, all this talent, somebody could start a company and and compete right off the bat." And somehow I I asked if he'd be interested in drawing a story for me, and he said, "Yeah." And just like that, I was a publisher. I I <laughs> didn't have anything to show him. Uh, I'm not even sure if I had any idea of what i was going to have him draw at that point but uh i had him committed for for that story and then i was like well i'm gonna need i'm gonna need other material for the book so i that's how where i got to work um and him him i met at i i imagine it it had to be a chicago con uh no did i say butch guys i'm sorry it was it was mike gustavich that that's that the whole ball rolling. I was a big fan gotcha. of his. He was doing the power comic stuff, and this might have been. This was probably before Justice Machine, even. Although I'm not sure about that. Um, it, and just for like the listeners who might not be familiar, Megaton was. Uh, you were the publisher, where you created. I think most of the properties in there were yep. co-created, and you published this from like '81 to '87. I think there were like eight issues. Right. Yes. That, yep. That's how right. it worked. Uh, then there was the Megaton Explosion was a Who's Who book, and a couple years <laughs> later, 
well, we tied things up. There was a Christmas special with stuff that had been started when when I gave up. And the, the who's who had the first appearance of Youngblood, Layfield, Rob Layfield's Youngblood? Well, was that- it was probably the second appearance. I think the first appearance was probably in, in uh, an ad in, in Megaton 7 or 8. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, There was an ad. It, it was going to be a, a one-shot. We did the, the eight issues of the black and white book, and the big plan after that, the, the, the Megaton explosion, was the book was going to split up into individual books. Uh, right, color, right. Bo- color books. I mean, the um, black and white. I mean, at that point, I, I had known all along that a superhero book ought to be in color. Um, but we just figured at that point we'd take a shot and do some color books and hope that that would, uh, you know, help the sales and everything. We had plans. Uh, most of the. Most of the characters in the, the, the explosion, yeah, it, w- it was promo type stuff. Somewhere there's a promo for the individual books. There was supposed to be a Megaton Volume 2, which would have been just the Megaton character, and Vanguard Outpost Earth. And there were two issues of, of a book called Ram that came out, mm-hmm. and two issues, color issues, uh, no, they weren't color, uh, of Wild Man. And, and Berserker, right? Well, Berserker came out a little bit later. Um, okay. That came out through uh, uh, Caliber Press in the early 80s, or early 90s. Um, but there was supposed to be, yeah, the one issue uh, that was supposed to be uh, Youngblood was, was actually solicited, and orders orders for everything came in at that point, right about the 2000 mark, which was... Mm-hmm. Kind of, well, it was very disappointing, especially you know for stuff that was supposed to be color. And at that point, yeah. at that point, the printers uh, wanted to print a ten thousand minimum uh, wow. print run. Yeah, so it was. I if I was still doing this the single book, I could have kept on going, but to have all that stuff in production, and I just like okay, we're. It was the the black and white explosion, the glut, and yeah, it, yeah. It, it was a different market back then. It was uh, there wasn't even a diamond previews. I mean, you'd print up uh, however many copies, you know, a thousand copies of a flyer and send them to the different distributors. I mean, uh, Diamond was distributing, and Capital was distributing out of out of uh, Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, I did think, you do a lot, lot of like mail order, like ads and magazines, or I mean, just was it some? Mostly? I mean, there was a certain amount of trading off with people, and mm-hmm. I think most most of the advertising I did was probably in the the CBG. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a it's amazing to me, like when I look at Megaton Megaton One and you know, even One Two, the first few issues, of how kind of professional it looks from coming out from like a 22 or 23 year old guy, you know, just jumping into it. It's, it's amazing how you got such great artists. I I guess, like you said, you know, no one could break in. And could you talk a little bit about how you bumped into Eric Larson and Rob Liefeld and Angel Medina? And because it's just amazing to me. I mean, you look at those, 
you look at each issue of Megaton, you know, Frank Fosco, all these guys went on to, to have, you know, professional careers and be successful at it. And it yeah, it's pretty I, amazing. Yeah, I marvel at it sometimes myself. Um, well, the first issue, like I said, Mike Gustavich uh, was the first guy to, that signed up. And, uh, and even at that point, I mean, he went on, he inked at, at Marvel and probably DC for a, a long time after that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was just a big fan. Him, him, I actually met. Uh, every, I, he was one of the few people that I met. I mean, uh, after that, uh, Chris Ecker, who I've got a 30-year comics relationship with, uh, he was in the first issue there. He worked on the uh, the Crusader character, which evolved over time into the, the Night Watchman at Big Bang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, him, I knew. He was local he was actually managing uh the comic shop i was going to everyone else i think or just about everyone else uh i i i saw their work uh in advertisements or 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 other stuff you know um in issue number one there uh butch geis uh i saw an ad (laughs) for the uh geez which convention the the in South Carolina, the the con still goes on. I'm sorry, but I have a heroes con or probably what, yeah. I saw an ad that he did, you know, the the main artwork on it, and I just sent off a letter and asked if you know he'd be interested in in doing a story, and he had he had been working on uh, on. Uh, Damn, I'm too old. My brain's shot. Um, (laughs) The Crusaders. It was a book called The the Crusaders. Uh, He did one issue, uh, and and after he did Megaton. After that, Um, Frank Fosco was a local Chicago guy, but he lived, uh, geez, a good uh, hour hour and a half away from me. I saw his work. There was a magazine called Triad that was a yeah, he talked to us about that. That was pretty interesting too. Yeah, he yep. showed us samples of that. Yeah, a record uh, a market magazine, you know, and they had done a comics issue, and um, I saw his work in there. I was real impressed. I mean, that was actually E three, and you know, usually that kind of stuff you see somebody doing Superman or Batman, and yeah, yeah, it was a real great looking Kirby ish character and all. And I tracked him down and sent him a letter and. Uh, uh, a friend of Butch Geis's did the first version of Berserker, but it wasn't it wasn't what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I just kind of scrapped that. There's a whole story done, but uh, I scrapped that. I got in contact with Ken Landgraf, who had been publishing. I mean, he was one of the few people publishing back then. I think uh, Larry Houston was was publishing. <laughs> stuff uh ken landgraf was publishing i'm not sure if service was out yet and uh elf quest went in richard peeney that was really the independent not like the the darling what's that i was just gonna say that's like i was like the darling the independent andy darling yeah yeah i mean that's pretty much what in the, the independent market was when i first started off and some reason I got in touch with Ken Landgraf and he pitched in the last at the last minute on the the first Berserker story and uh, 
I had actually, I think it was, I, I mean, I was familiar with Eric Larson's stuff. I had picked up that I, you know, I had ordered the copies of uh, the Ajax comic stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Prism and uh, graphic fantasy, graphic fantasy. Yeah. Liked it a whole bunch, but I, I, it wasn't actually me that contacted him. I think, I think Ken Landgraf was going to work with me on the, the, the Vanguard stuff and was having trouble. And he just, you know, I talked to him and he said, ah, he says, I'm having trouble. So I, I talked with Eric Larson and told him you'd be calling him, which, which threw me because I, I, kind of thought i mean eric was already publishing and writing and stuff but called him up and he was uh he was up for doing it and uh you know the concept at all was pretty much my idea he redesigned the character um it was a much (laughs) his version of the character was much cooler than what i was coming up with at that point and it's amazing because the design has stuck. I mean, you, you look at Dragon in the Megaton issues, and he's evolved. But the Eric's design of Vanguard was—you just hit the nail on the head right off the bat because it really hasn't changed. No, it hasn't. I mean, the only thing—the back cover on—I think it was number two. I I went the first time Vanguard was in color. I I <laughs> I carried the blue all the way up into his face. Just, yeah, I remember seeing different. that reprinted. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Eric, that pissed Eric. He's like, he looks like a big smurf. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wasn't going to do him if that was going to stay the coloring. I mean, somewhere I've got uh, probably 20, 30 sheets of, of Xeroxes where Eric was going through and doing just different <laughs> color designs on the characters. And no, no, our guy, you know. And, and we just basically ended up with the Superman type colors anyway and that that was why i tried the blue face just so it wasn't basically you know superman uniform but uh he 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 really didn't like that so i was like okay like i wasn't that wedded to it you know so right right what was you know when you're when you're when you were writing vanguard and the concept of vanguard i i'm taking it as you know he's supposed to be like a what if superman just didn't look human is that what you were going for, or to a degree? Yeah, yeah. I mean that—that's always been. He was kind of the Superman character, strange visitor from from another planet, and uh, at the same time, he was kind of a goofball. And <laughs> yeah, he's a brilliant yeah. character. It, it's uh, it's a great character. I'm it, I'm glad Eric kind of pushed it to to bring him into the you know his savage dragon universe and and we've been able to see this character evolve and and develop and you know be able to read his adventures every so often it's yeah it's it's really cool to write them every so often Uh, it is it's a very fun character of all uh of all your megaton kind of characters who's your favorite character that you've uh created gosh that's like Picking your favorite kid, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, out of the Megaton, no, I, and I couldn't. I mean, there's something about all of them. I have always liked the Megaton character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vanguard, I, I've got the biggest track record with him. Right, and that one comes easiest. Uh, but I, I always liked Berserker, mm-hmm. and and I always liked. Ethrian, you know, I mean, those are the four 
that always appealed to me most. I mean, most of the other ones didn't get um, defined very well. The, the last story in Megaton number one was a sword and sorcery type character that I always thought was a good a good concept and character and someday may revisit it possibly, you know, as a, a prose story. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't say just one because I, I'm pretty deeply attached to all of them and pretty proud of all of them for that matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've noticed that you, uh, I think it was like six months ago, we all noticed that you put up a Megaton uh, official website. Is there anything behind that? Or, I mean, are we going to see anything down the pipeline? Or is that just kind of like something very, fun to put up? Uh, very possible. I was... I was taking some uh, website design classes, and for one of the projects, I decided I, it was a good time to put some of that stuff together. So, built it for the one class, and since I had it, I decided it was time to post it. Um, it there's a possibility of uh, possible. I mean, at this point, I, I'd like to digitize it all. Uh, get it all scanned in and colored and yeah. reprinted in one form or another. I, I don't know about one issue because there's a lot of lot of pages, you know, yeah, whether yeah. there be a megaton issue or, a, a you know, strictly a Vanguard one. Um, but that's, that's down the line. We're, we're working on a, a possible megaton project of some sort. Oh, wow. I mean that's the 3D stuff that's that's on the site, the last page, I believe, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was someone, there was someone, there were two two issues of, of a Vanguard the that were done that were never put out. It would I would love to uh, get those out there in some form, just because this Steve Adams, you know, took the time to draw them and all. It's pretty fun stuff. Cool, cool. And I'd love was, to see, like, go ahead. Sorry, Adam. No, I was just going to say, and that was uh, for people who might not know, but that was going to be for the Outpost Earth, the yep. spinoff of, of uh, Megaton that you were just talking about. And the um, recent issue of Savage Dragon that reprinted the first Vanguard story, uh, the cover on the Vanguard side, that was going to be the cover for the uh, first issue of yep. Vanguard Outpost Earth. That's true, yes. That's awesome. That's yeah, cool to know. Uh, let's see, you asked before. I mean, uh, Angel Medina, I had I had actually first run an Angel at, again. I mean, at a Chicago con somewhere. And I think I uh, watched as he went through a line, you know, and uh, showed his portfolio to probably Marvel or DC and you know they told him do this and do that and and I just I fell in love with his stuff looking at it and then lost track of him right there it wasn't till the next year that I I think I was sitting at a table and he brought his stuff up and I was like you're the guy <laughs> you're the guy <laughs> I've been looking for for a year and uh wow. and he had, it turned I mean he lived uh I don't know 20 25 minutes away so he was it was nice and close. Yeah, uh, collaborating with him, 
uh, Grass Green, Richard Grass Green was, he's a guy that went right back to the early days of comic fandom in the yeah. early 60s. And uh, he, uh, I think he was a friend of, of Chris's. I think I met him through Chris and got real tight. I mean, he lived in Chicago and I, I spent quite a bit of the megaton years with him. He did a lot of the lettering and uh, and whatever. Uh, and that he was just a great guy to work with. Um, and Rob Liefeld, <laughs> Rob Liefeld was a fan. Rob was, I think, 15 years old. Yeah, when I was going to say he he must have been. He so must have young. been crazy young. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't even driving yet. Yeah, he was. Uh, just a great guy. I mean, he uh, it was he was very excited. Um, his stuff, his earlier stuff, was a little rough, um, but we probably probably talked a lot, maybe for a year. I don't really know. Somehow he he was in the Chicago area visiting somebody or the other, so I met up with him, and uh, his wow. stuff kept getting better and better. And uh, yeah, it must, finally- it must have been amazing to see, you know. You know, going from this 15 year old kid to like, you know, this young superstar and being like, I remember when this was like a little scrappy kid that was just, you know, pestering me. And now he's doing Levi commercials. (laughs) It was. It was very weird. I mean, because, you know, I like I said, I just I quit banging my head against the wall in about 87 and just took time off from comics. Just said, okay, no. You know, I had all these people, all these artists. Uh, it, it was hard. I mean, a lot of them were going right on, you know, I mean, out of issue, the, the first issue, I mean, Butch Geis was off to, to Marvel and, um, geez, I don't know. I mean, it was just, it was tough. I mean, yeah, it, I was just replacing guys every issue and, and yeah. almost afraid. I mean, Eric, Eric would have drawn everything, but I was, uh, of all of them, I figured he was going to be gone next, you know, and yeah, yeah. he was around for four issues, but I, w- I was hesitant to have him be the face of it because I knew he was going to be gone. And everyone's, oh, don't worry, when I get work, I'll be still doing stuff for you. And yeah, right. <laughs> I, was paying, I was paying like 20 bucks a page, and, and I knew, I mean, from the first guy that went, you know, and they'd be like, oh, I'll do something, but it's hard to take time out to work for that. So. Right, right. Yeah, so I just, I, I knew, you know, it was just a tough situation to be in, and I didn't expect them to keep doing, you know, work for for next to nothing. Right, right. Well, I mean, like you said, though, Megaton is, is a, there's a big legacy there of all, all the guys, and I think at one point, uh, Rob Layfield called you the grandfather of Image Comics. Yeah, is that, yeah, yeah it, that it, was it, him. It, yeah, I mean, basically, just because, I mean, he and, and Eric came from there. and uh, Angel Medina did a long run of Spawn. Yeah, that's true. And, I heard uh, Larry Martyr basically the, say the same thing. It's like you were the, kind of the, the shadow behind all of these guys that everybody came to know. Uh, some of them, anyways. Yeah, Larry was, was a, a good friend of, of Chris Eckers, you know, so... Um, yeah, I mean, everything seemed kind of tied together one way or the other there. It was, it was real fun to watch. Yeah. Cause I quit in, in 87 and I took four or five years off. And in that time, yeah, I was seeing Rob on TV and I, I was aware of the stuff they were all doing at uh, the different companies, you know, and, uh, 
Rob was at a show again in Chicago and I went to see him. He was excited to see me and was just talking about about leaving uh, Marvel, you know, where they were talking about starting their own company. And uh, really, that's when I got back in. I mean, just they were talking about having me do some stuff and uh, and it, that's how it worked out, you know. So, so can you talk to us about how they approached you, uh, Eric? I know, you know, so Eric has Dragon, and it's a different version of Dragon, but he also wants to pull Vanguard in, and you're kind of a co-owner, creator. How yeah. did that all pan out? Uh, it, it worked out pretty good. Could have worked out better. Um, yeah, I mean, stuff, you know, the, the initial sales were, were through the roof there, and uh, Eric was, you know, planning a, a number of different ongoing series or miniseries and whatever and asked you know he he liked vanguard he had enjoyed working with me um and just asked if i'd be interested in doing a vanguard book and i said you know sure and uh yeah i mean what worked against it vanguard was supposed to be the first uh uh, the, the the first mini said the first series it was set up to be an ongoing series at first um, and it, it was supposed to be the first of his peripheral books right but the initial artist just it didn't work out on there that and was then, Tom Coker or yeah, Tom some, somewhere along the line I mean he did the the zero issue and and the first issue I believe yeah and, but then yeah it just wasn't working out and and so we had to replace them, and and uh, and then it ended up being a different artist every issue, which which was real great for me. I got to work with a bunch of guys, but I think it worked against um, finding an audience. I mean, that was just you know into what was going on in that particular book, you know. Yeah, I think it was a little tough. I mean, you go from one style to another yeah. style. But the other thing that's amazing on this, it's almost like Megaton, where each <laughs> artist went on to become a superstar, you know, like Joe Mad and, yep. you know, uh, Jason Rick Leonardi, Jason yep. Pearson. It, it's amazing that, you know, you've got to work with all these guys and they're kind of like. That's it. And then Angel again in there. So, yeah, yeah, again, yeah. like you said, it was great for me, but I thought it was a little bit tough. Uh, just in that people didn't know what they were going to be getting that issue. I mean, I was the constant, but it. Yeah, it Vanguard looks a little different each, yeah. each issue, too, yeah. and it gets tough. Well, also, it's got to be hard for the artist or the reader when it's a character that they might not be as familiar with. And so they didn't have, like, for one thing, the like Vanguard size nailed down. And so he's like changing size from issue to issue. And it's like the first handful of issues of the book. And and so it must have been hard for people to kind of get a handle on like, oh, I'm not really sure like what this is, you know, exactly how he's supposed to look. Even. And, yeah, I would think uh, so. I would think so, you know. And like I said, I treated him as a little bit goofy, generally not as, as goofy as, as Eric did. Um, yeah. But What's still, yeah, not <laughs> he. He wasn't Superman, that's for sure. So, Gary, when uh, this stuff was happening with the launch of Vanguard, um, 
when in relation to that what, what did you start big bang comics was that like before or during the same time probably or, uh, during the same time like i said i took those four or five years off and uh went in and it was just exciting to see all the you know i, I had sort of paid attention but to see just you know how how big some of these guys had gotten you know rob on tv and stuff and so uh yeah, I mean, I, I, I think uh, somewhere along the line I was in Detroit and, and talked to uh, Caliber Press about doing the Berserker book. I, I think in the meantime, Chris had published one issue, or one issue of Battle Axe magazine, which had the, 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 the first uh, segment of the story done by, by Angel Medina. And the magazine didn't go anywhere, but... Like I said, I liked the character a whole bunch. Took it, and, and Caliber uh, wanted to go with it, so started working on the Berserker book. And uh, the backups in Berserker were were the initial Big Bang ones. Berserker number one right. was Night Watchman story. Number two was Ultraman, which Ultraman had been in in Megaton as Ultraman, and yep. I figured I better change the name. Uh, at that point, and uh, yeah, I mean that's so it was same period. I mean, I was working on the one that you know, and we were working on Vanguard and uh, um, Vanguard. We just decided to stop it with issue six. I mean, it's like I said, it, it was supposed to be the first miniseries that came out to be the fourth one out, and. At that point, the bloom was kind of off the rose where numbers were dry. You know, the first issue sold, I don't know, 100,000, something like wow. that. Wow. 120,000. And, uh, yeah, and it's like six issues of that. I mean, the royalties on that first book were, for, for me, I mean, were great. It was like 20 grand, but I think that was the only royalty I saw off it because numbers were dropping so much. Yeah, and everyone because, was going I mean, after that first collector's issue. Well, that's it. Yeah, the books were selling so much, uh, selling so high that Eric was paying large page rates. We we had the main story and the backup story, and the backup artists weren't getting royalties, so they were getting a almost like a double page rate. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So yeah, once the, the numbers started dropping off the money just wasn't there. I mean, there was, everything was selling so much. I mean, you know, the printing was uh, real high quality stuff. They were paying top dollar for everything. And, and early on there was money everywhere, but it, it didn't take too long before, <laughs> before, you the know, bottom it, fell out. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, just for, for our listeners, uh, big bang, through image lasted i think what 35 issues something like that and that was kind of like your ode to your childhood comics right i mean i have all 35 i enjoy them and it seems like they start off with like an ode to the old dc uh story age and then you throw some like bronze age but it's all kind of like ode to the classic kind of comics in each kind of era and, that, and they're really exactly fun what it was you know the first uh, I mean, we we did those the backups in the first four. Uh, well, the first four issues of Berserker were all Big Bang, and and they were pretty much 
golden agey type stuff. And it's like, and the Berserk was a tough sell. I mean, Angel was doing the covers on those and they were just beautifully violent things. But I, I kept hearing from dealers that people that loved the covers thought the interiors were too too comic booky like and, and people that would have liked the insides thought that the covers were too graphic and whatever. But what I heard from everybody, <laughs> everybody was for, for whatever reason was crazy about the backup stories, the night watchman. And, and we played it like it was really an old character that we picked up from somewhere. We figured it'd be obvious that it was, you know, Batman and Superman and that, but right. Right. People were excited about it. So we, we, eventually talked caliber into to doing a mini series and they at first they were reluctant they didn't see why anyone would want to read that and finally when when image announced uh 1963 and, and the market was excited then caliber was like oh we get it now <laughs> so, so yeah the, the first that the, the mini series uh through caliber the first issue uh, and the, the zero issue were both golden age issues, and then, uh, well, the first three issues, one, two, and zero, were golden age, and then the third issue was a, a silver age uh, type story, and the fourth one was modern. And the fourth, the fourth issue was a little bit snake, but the guy that was supposed to draw it backed out on it, and uh, the replacement we found that the stuff was just a little bit busy, and the first issues. Caliber had printed on white paper where we wanted newsprint, and when you got to the modern stuff, which should have been on white paper, then they went to newsprint, and the colors just <laughs> died. You know, I was like, <laughs> and so at that point, I mean, when Eric invited us over to Image, Eric was a real big fan of of the Big Bang stuff. They just said, let's let's stay away from from the modern stuff but it was looking too much like uh some of the, the stuff out of extreme where it was it was supposed to be over the top <laughs> um yeah you know everything piled in as to you know what the, the modern comics were going for i mean it it was i don't know anyways we ended up staying away from the modern they were modern. like we've already got that Pretty We're already much. doing that. <laughs> Pretty much. So did a lot, really, the point of a lot of it, it had been to get to doing the latest incarnation of these characters, which we never did. So, yeah, I, I remember reading like a uh, Big Bang one with like the, uh, the CC Beck style Mighty Man yep. and just being like blown away. Like, who, who's the artist? Bill Fugate. Bill Fugate. Yeah. yeah. Which is, he just does it so well. And then you read, I think it's issue three of Big Bang, and there's like a letter from uh, Jim Steranko giving you props. And it's just like, it gives you like chills to read. You know, it's like, it's amazing. It was, it was, it was amazing time. Yeah, Bill, he died last month. No kidding. No kidding. And no idea. Yeah, he, he and I were. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, I don't know, just about my age anyway. Yeah, he had cancer. And, uh, I was gonna say if there was any way we could get more of those stories of, you know, possibly as backups or whatever, but I had no idea. I I absolutely love like the Thunder Girl stories, anything that's in that CC Beck style. Is, like, yeah, me too. Especially by him, he was. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was special. He's another guy that when I started working with him, I, I saw an ad he had done for the probably a, a, either a comic shop or a show up in Minneapolis and just wrote to him and said, you know, this stuff looks like C.C. Beck to me. You have any interest in doing that kind of stuff? And oh, they're amazing. Yeah, it worked. No, it, he and I were, I, I had been working on um, a Mighty Man story, hopefully for Dragon 200. Oh. And we had, uh, we had worked out the script, but I, I don't, if he had started on it, I never saw any of it. It was uh, it was called the voice from, or it is called the voice from Valhalla, and it, uh, it he's fighting a, a Valkyrie character, uh, slightly tied into the to, to Thor. Thor mm-hmm. appears shortly, not Marvel's Thor, but the the Golden Age. Thor and all, so right. Yeah, it's too bad. I was, oh man, I was hoping there'd be another one of those. And if I find someone else that can draw it, I'll I'll try to get it done. But I mean, the basically there are three guys that did that sort of stuff at at Big Bang, and uh, yeah, yeah, he was the top. So yeah, that first issue of the of the image book was just kind of a revelation to me um, because when I saw it on the shelf, I. I had been aware of Big Bang before that, but I didn't make the connection. I didn't know that it was it was you. And yeah. um, then I recognized Mighty Man on the cover, and I saw the image that, that logo, and I was like, "Huh, like this is like related to, you know, <laughs> obviously this is related to this other thing." And but then I read it, and I was just so blown away. Uh, the whole book was really good, but I really uh, just echo what Craig said about. Uh, bill's stuff and um he he just played it totally straight like the the you know captain marvel-esque mighty man it's it doesn't read like a parody it reads you know just perfectly like one of those uh lovely stories and and you pick it up and read it and you go this really could have been from another time and definitely uh yeah i thought that was one of the really most perfectly executed kind of uh if that's what you guys were setting out to do like that's, that's what we what, set out to do it, yeah. it was never never meant to be any kind of a parody more of yeah. a a pastiche or a we thought of it as ghosting i mean yeah. I, right. any of that stuff i said i tried to write it in the style of whoever was writing it back then and tried to find you know whoever would draw it yeah, you know, yeah. in those kind of styles and some of them are better than others and some yeah, of and the, ended the guys, up sorry oh that's okay some of them ended up doing too much um swiping and whatever which worked against it but too many people came to me and they all wanted to do their version of their favorite story you know and right uh, yeah I, like no that's not where we want to go we want it to be like a brand you know a brand new issue that that for someone who's read every issue of say Batman, this is like a new one, you know. Like it's yeah. one that hasn't been discovered in yes. the vault. Like you just unearth it, and it's the. You know what I really loved was one of those early uh, image issues was the the one where um, Silver Age Shadowhawk teams up with yeah yeah uh, Silver Age Night Watchmen because yeah. yep. they're they're both like Silver Age Batman and sure that was hysterical, but not like. It was not, you know, self-consciously 
that way. It was just, oh, of course these guys would team up. It's, you know, <laughs> these two big heroes. And and, um, and Tom know, King would, would draw, like, that Dick Spring kind of look, <laughs> which was awesome. Hearing you guys talk about all these comics, which, unfortunately, I've not never read, really makes me want to read them. Yeah, oh, they're... Cool. And you feel like you're a mer- like when you pick up one of these issues. There's so much to read. Like you got the letters page. You got like three different stories, and then even you want to read all the ads because you just get a kick out of it. I mean, there's ads of calling all red-blooded Americans. What you mean, you know, like uh, the, the uh, Junior Watchmen of America? You know, and it's like you get a real mess. Sort of thing like it's a real <laughs> yeah. silver or golden age comic. Yep. Yeah, it's just, wow, it's it's fun, and the letters cool. pages are. Are fun. I mean, it, it takes you a solid chunk of time to get through it, and it's 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 just great. There's a couple there's a, there's a couple issues besides the 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 kind of CC Beck uh, Mighty Man. I really like uh, issue seven, which partly because it's a Mighty Man, um, part <laughs> of the character, but because it's such a good kind of like Jim Starlin type seventies uh, uh, comic. It's it's just amazing. That took that blew me away, and then it's got the Night Watchman, Dick Spring type uh, 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 strip in the back, and then the other the other comic that that really blew me away is is issue eight of Big Bang Comics, and it's <laughs> yeah. Mister US US yeah yeah, yeah I was, and I wanted to bring that up too yeah it's all I, I don't know who Mark Lewis is, and I guess he pencils the whole thing, but he does an amazing kind of. Uh, uh, Kirby uh, riff where you know he's got the um, the old school 1940s type uh, Captain America like uh, the way the panels are the circular panels and everything it's just uh, it's amazingly done and then it goes all the way up to modern age type (laughs) take on this character and it looks just like a Rob Liefeld kind of character and it's yeah that one especially that page where you just turn it over I mean it's I think between the one page or the couple of them where just you end up almost turning the whole book over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Turn it a couple of times. The, yeah, they, the, sorry. Oh, go sorry. Go ahead. The Kirby Simon pages are amazing. Yeah. Like he yeah. just nails it. He nails it so well. And the same thing with even like, as you go through each kind of decade, he nails the, the style and it's all by the same artist. And, and like you said, you get to the, the 90s kind of image years and you get the real life field look and he nails that style too and and nails the panels on that you know like you have to turn the book sideways and you get the big splash and it's it's a great book i uh, you guys listening out there go through your back issue bins and, and find these big bang comics i might have to make an attempt at that i do have a question though gary um okay do you do you do you have all the reprint rights to all this material is it all basically yours uh, I'm just curious because I th- not all of it. I mean, a, a lot of it. A lot of them are Big Bang characters. There's certain stuff that 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 isn't mine. I mean, I, I we've signed a deal with Pulp 2.0, and they're going to be doing a lot of reprints. And awesome. I, oh, cool. I, okay. I've, I've yeah. I mean, the the first issue coming out is going to be the Night Watchman Graveyard Shift, which is the uh, Sin City-ish uh, uh, version. I mean, it, it, it's... Uh, kind of like the gritty modern take on Night Watchmen. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's somewhere between Dark Knight Returns and Sin City. Um, and that's going to be the first one. That's going to be followed up by two issues of 
all the night watchman stories are just about all the night watchman stories um and then it'll probably be there'll be an issue of uh the the Bill Fugit stuff, Thundergirl, Mighty Man, and then an issue of Ultiman. Uh, and then there's going to be an issue of uh, Jeff Weigel's Sphinx character. Those are the initial cool. books. Well, that's when, when can we start seeing the first phase of this? Is that something that <laughs> uh, the, the, up? Or? The Graveyard Shift book ought to be soon. I know they took uh, pre-publication orders on it. Is the, uh, I saw the link, the the uh, posting on Facebook and stuff. Do you know if the pre-order is still open for that? Uh, you'd almost have to check and see. I I haven't heard anything recently on on that, so I'm not sure. Right. I'm sort we need to of post a link on that. Let, let people. Yeah, know. you know the there's the Big Bang website, and I think I think there might be a link on there. I I've got to redo that website, but uh, yeah, there's a there's a link on there. Um, uh, everybody should uh, check it out at uh, bigbangcomics.com, I believe. Yep, that's um, it. In addition to uh, megatoncomics.com. Yes. Nice. Now, I think we're at like 50 minutes around. Um, do we want to start talking about more of the modern Vanguard stuff? And, sure. And, uh, there's a lot to go over. We just, you know, you just did a almost a year-long serial in, in uh, Savage Dragon, which... Uh, yeah, maybe we all really enjoyed. Well, that's good. I'm always glad to hear that. That's that's always fun. I mean, working, uh, you know, basically with Frank Fosco. I mean, Eric pretty much keeps hands off and lets us do what we want. So, so yeah, that's been a lot of fun. I mean, there was the E3 and geez, 14 issues or 14 that's chapters right. yep. before that. So yeah, it was a good probably close to three years working. Uh, it was very fun. I'm uh, actually curious about the uh, E3N project. Uh, I know we, we talked to Frank about it when he, we had him on the show, but that was a while ago, and so my memory's not so great. Um, how did that come about? You guys, did, did Eric uh, request it, or did you guys offer it up to him, or how'd that, how'd that come about? <sighs> I'm really not sure. I... I, I it, I think it probably came about, I mean, Frank and Eric are tighter than, than Eric and I these days. I, I just, he's been so busy the last bunch of years, I just try not to bother him, you know? Yeah, and if I you need to get was, a hold of, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, if you need to get an answer out of Eric for something and he's not emailing you back, ask Frank to ask him. Oh, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I mean, it's not that I have problems with getting him to respond i just i don't like to bother him i mean uh, uh, you know yeah. during a big period of that time i mean he was the publisher and everything else and yeah that's right i'm the kind of i i like to call up and just shoot the breeze and blah blah you know oh yeah no i don't mean you i mean anybody i think that's oh. the way to get, to get sometimes to get answers on stuff oh yeah <laughs> that makes sense so yeah i just don't i think i think it was just uh i'm really not sure how it came up I, again i mean most of the guys from Megaton are, are very proud of the fact that they all came out of there, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and yeah I, I, it, it started off, it was going to be a three issue mini series. And, uh, I, I, it was never solicited as a mini series. They just, you know, the order, you know, orders on everything were going down and down. And 
Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that's where it just turned into uh, turning it into backups, which it, it broke up pretty nicely into six and seven page uh, increments. Uh, the, right. the E3 and stuff. I mean, and it just kind of lucky how that worked. And uh, it was nice because it was in color. Otherwise, you know, it probably would have come out in in black and white. Um, yeah, toward the end, the Big Bang stuff was, you know, selling pretty crummy. And uh, I no longer had the disposable income that I had had way back during uh, Megaton in the early days of, of, of Big Bang. So... Right. I just I wasn't prepared to go on the hook that if you know if it didn't make the money to to cough up a check to image anymore so Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean that that's how that that sort of started and then when that was done Frank was still looking to do stuff and Eric you know, Eric said geez, it's been, you know, 10 well, that 20 years and all the other uh Time's been passing on all the other characters, and Vanguard just kind of shows up once in a while and, you know, wasn't progressing anywhere. And and he was concerned that, that Vanguard was the, you know, a dude's ex machina where, you know, Vanguard would pop up at the last minute and help out or teleport him away. Dragging or off of, yeah, out of trouble or whatever. Yeah. So it was like, uh, you know, he kind of wanted to tie it all up and, and eventually move Vanguard off of there so that that easy avenue wasn't there, you know. So that's sort of how the Vanguard stuff came about to be tied up, you know. We had yeah, done yeah. The, the first six issues and then the second miniseries. So it was nice to be able to go back and tie up a lot of the loose ends, maybe not all of them. I uh, I really enjoyed the the serial aspect of it of having I don't know what was it like six pages per issue or something yeah. like that six and you were seven, able yeah. to yeah you were able to kind of it felt like you were reading a 22 page story on some of these not in a bad way and like you felt like you read a full beginning to end story and it was it was amazing like that I I, I really enjoyed the kind of shorter pages getting to the point in and out getting the action and you managed to tie up almost every issue where you you had a one and done story but it was still an over you know reaching arc well and, I, uh go no, ahead sorry no yeah i mean that was what we tried to do yeah i mean i mean like i said the first one the u3 and stuff broke down kind of nicely where it worked out that way but on the the vanguard stuff they were actually plotted to be uh, complete in one issue and you know kind of lead you to the next ones and all um and at the same time you had to like almost work tie in your story with the ongoing <laughs> savage dragon story how did that work out for you was that it was, a chore or? no it wasn't too bad um every once in a while we weren't quite in sync but uh but it worked out it, it worked out nicely i don't think it messed up anything that we were doing you know we we kind of were working toward the same goal and knew that by this issue the invasion was going to start and you know in this issue there was going to be the conversation between vanguard and and, and dragon and yeah, yeah i was real happy the way it it, it all tied up pretty nice well it, and it was good because it's like there were a lot of characters brought back a lot of the old cast i mean there aren't that many 
Vanguard, you know, issues out there. I mean, what is there, like 12 kind of standalone issues yeah, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And you were able to kind of bring back his rogues gallery, which is larger than some characters that have been around 20 years, I feel like. <laughs> but uh, you were able to tie them into the story, and it didn't feel forced at all. And I, I just thought, you know, I know talking to all the guys on the Savage Dragon forums and here on the FinCast – we all thought, you know, it was one of the best Vanguard stories or even Savage Dragon type stories. And wow, it's just really well done. And, and Frank's art just seemed to get better each issue. And his covers were blowing us away. You know, they really kind of whet your appetite for the story. And each cover was like better than the next cover. And just amazed me that he, how little covers I'd seen by him before the series. And, and I was glad that you guys got that back cover to, yeah, that was great. That was great. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it was real cool, the early ones when they were doing the flip book, but I could see where that was going to be trouble. <laughs> I missed oh, the flip yeah, they stack them, yeah. Yeah, people were yeah. stacking them wrong, and people didn't realize it was Dragon and all, but uh, but it was, yeah, all the way along, it was, it was fun working on those three years worth of things. Yeah, I was just a little afraid that those six-page stories was all plot you know i mean generally not all action but i mean probably not as much a characterization as i would have preferred but uh at the same time out of the whole bunch of them there's very little you know there was no room to do splash pages you know it was i i kept feeling like i was sticking frank with (laughs) lots going on on every page but i i didn't see too many ways around it he seemed to have handled it pretty well I, i i thought the uh it wasn't too dense. I thought it works out pretty well. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, I mean that was always you know what we were aiming for. So yeah, and if Frank kind of he does an awesome job also with his backgrounds and making you really feel like you know your characters are in Chicago or you know wherever you know it was is it, it was just a really well done job. I you know yeah, I'm glad I, that you guys had that opportunity. Yeah, me too. I was real happy, and and a lot of the stuff I just deferred to him. I said, "You're doing so much more work on it than me." You know, if, if he had a real preference for something, then I mm-hmm. tried to go that direction. How do how do your scripts usually go? I mean, do you guys just do it like the Marvel method, or do you have like typed up kind of uh, uh, scripts for him, or I mean, how do you yeah, usually I, work I, that I, out? It's somewhere between a. A plot and a script. I mean, it'll say page one, and on a splash, I, it might spell it out, and you know, this is what's going on, and logo here, and title here, and but then after that, it's generally just what it's one line for what I see as as one panel, mm-hmm. you know. So you know, uh, generally there'll be somewhere between four and and eight lines or paragraphs you know for say page two and it, the, the storytelling's all up to him but i mean a lot of the dialogue will be roughed in so he knows what kind of room to leave um in the past i've worked with guys that if there was no dialogue they weren't leave, leaving room for me to go and put it in so um yeah he and i have worked so so much over the years it's uh it's a real nice working relationship. Yeah, yeah. 
and with this serial too, you not only did you bring in kind of all the existing Vanguard universe characters, you added a bunch, and within this this one serial, you gave us a couple of real lasting guys like uh, Thram and Brachus, you know, the, <laughs> you know Brachus with his attitude, you, you know, and Lurch who was, you know didn't speak a lick until, you know, this series and became a fan favorite, I think, within these pages, which, which is really cool with this Hawaiian shirt and stuff. And yeah, I love the Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. It, it was like, you know, every kind of, uh, every volume, if you want to call it a volume of Vanguard, it seemed like Lurch was kind of getting a little more and more independent. And then you finally, you know, with this serial, he's kind of like his own character now that, that thinks and talks on his own. Yeah, that's where I had been going with him all along, so. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it was um, nice to get there. <laughs> and, and it was a surprise to see, like, the the Amok character, you know, go from just kind of like a, a, a brutal kind of villain to, like, an actual supporting cast member is kind of, yeah, the Hulk kind of supporting cast member, which was really neat. Uh, I was, that was a surprise to see him appear in the pages, and I think he... Uh, he bring you know some some good action to it and some comic relief to it and when he's eating like the Tyranian eggs or whatever it was it was a good little uh, uh, panel there I really enjoyed that but I uh, I was really nervous I was really nervous sorry go ahead no no you go ahead I was just saying I was really nervous reading this thinking that this was almost like a Vanguard swan song that he was gonna die in the end because it just seemed like all these characters are being introduced. For some reason, in the back of my head, I thought, you know, <laughs> he, he's finishing them off. And I was glad to see that, you know, hopefully this isn't spoilers for anyone because the issue's been out for a while. But I was glad to see that he survives and, you know, there's room left for more adventures. So hopefully we do get to see some more adventures because I know, you know, Vanguard's up there with, you know, some of the favorites of, of the characters in Savage Dragon. What? Yeah, anytime. I'm I'm ready. Yeah, the main thing was, yeah, to get them get them away for a while. And uh, yeah, there's tons of of stuff we could do. Um, you know, other side of the universe. So uh, he's got to go meet the dragon people at some point. Well, that's it. That and there's you know, the the Tyranians, There's still some of those out there, and there's got to be survivors of his own planet not a lot of right. them they're you right. know all out there and yeah well, and, and speaking of like you know the other calyptans you know it's such a weird dynamic in vanguard because you read it and and his people aren't necessarily good guys i mean they no. enslaved like a mucks kind of whole race you know they're kind of militant type guys they're they're not good guys they could almost be considered villains probably to a lot of people <laughs> Yeah, well, and I always looked at it that way. I mean, the, you know, they were fighting the the, the Terranians who were real bad guys. So it's, they were, yeah, Vanguard's people were kind of the the lesser of two evils, and he never really wanted them <laughs> to come to Earth because he realized that he may not have realized it at first. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they'd show up and ruin a good thing. Yeah, well, that's it, you know. They were, uh, you know, pretty much coming and got to make it worth their time. So they'd come and, and strip mine the place and take, you know, whatever to, to make it worth their while to have come. 
maybe you can kind of explain this a little bit. I know we've had some discussions on this. Um, the Tyranian Combine, is that I, I believe that's what they're called, right? Tyrus. Tyrus, yeah. Tyrus Combine. Yep. Now, I know in the – I forget which issue of Megaton, um, when we kind of got a glimpse of them, it looked like it was like uh, a, bunch. a bunch of different alien races. Yep. And then in, in, in this, this newest, you know, the Savage Dragon stuff, it seems like they're just kind of made up of those bug guys plus maybe those uh, – the, the tech robot guys. Is, right. Was that – was that a conscious decision or is in your mind, is that, are they just kind of one sect of the combine or? Well, you or, know, the, <laughs> the whole point of being a combine was, yeah, there was a whole bunch of different uh, races, you know, that were out there. Um, but yeah, because we were doing six pages at a time, we just figured we'd stick with the one, uh, one race. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and they kind of ended up on Earth by accident anyway. So it was really one or two ships that came there. And, and they, the way they were set up, they were, you know, kind of multiplying and multiplying. Um, yeah. So, yeah, somewhere out there, the, the Combine probably still exists in one form or another. Gotcha. I like yeah. the whole. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I like the whole idea of the potential of what Vanguard's stories could be in the future, like of him, you know, traveling space, trying to find, you know, other Calyptans that are still alive on other planets or possibly on, you know, Tyrus Combine prison worlds or whatever. Just the, you know, you you could pretty much do whatever you want in a, in a uh, you know, open-ended like I'm traveling through space kind of uh, concept. And, um, you know, you're talking about this sort of ending the, the, you know, Vanguard story that had been sort of the status quo for, you know, the 20 years since image started, but it really even 30 years, if you're counting back from Megaton and him being like, you know, I'm, here to protect earth from the Tyrus combine. And, you know, then the invasion happens and, you know, so let's set him off on this, on, on a new direction. And just the idea of him, you know, spending his time flying through space instead of being earth protector now is really exciting to me. And so I'm, I'm uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what you do with that, regardless of, you know, uh, when it comes together or, or, or what, but, uh, there's just so many possibilities there. It's really fun. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I never thought about killing the character off. Um, I think, I think Frank and some of the other guys might have thought I was serious about killing Wally off uh, in the one issue, but uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, after all this time, I mean, to to get a chance to write those guys, I had a hard time just saying, "Well, we'll we'll kill this guy and." Yeah, yeah. You know, he killed his sister off real quick, but the other guy, I figured it, it made for a, a different sort of people traveling around with him, you know? Um, yeah. As opposed to, you know, three guys with, with guns or whatever, so. Yeah, and to what Craig was saying about tying it in, like tying in, you know, some of the villains and, and, and characters from previous Vanguard stories, um, I was just really impressed by how many of those threads you wove into this, like, 
you know, there was sort of the basic goal that you were uh, just talking about of what the sport story was supposed to accomplish and also like syncing it up with what was going on in Dragon. But then also it's sort of the sequel to the stuff that was happening in, in E3 and, and uh, you know, and incorporating those characters. But then to have all these extra players come in and out and it seems, you know, it works so well. Like in the um, second chapter when Modem shows up, at the end of that story, I didn't think that we would be seeing more of Modem. Like, I thought, like, oh, you know, they've taken yeah, her. Like a one she's in a tube yeah. now on his ship. And yeah. She's, you know, I wasn't expecting her to become a cast member and, and for her character to develop further. And, uh, you to know, become by a the good time, guy, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and by the time they leave and go off, uh, you know, the, uh, their little motley crew is, is, is it's a perfect kind of dynamic of all these different types of characters who are from you know, these different points in Vanguard's life and wildly different personalities. Uh, you could see like a really good sort of team dynamic or at least like a group centered around Vanguard, like a book that those kind of relationships almost write themselves. Well, and, yeah. uh, and, and at the same time, not the super friends because <laughs> they, right. yeah, they, they don't all get on get along i mean brackus gets along with nobody and right <laughs> yeah it is amazing how it's like it the end sets you up like almost like a team book and it just leaves you wanting more i like like adam was saying I, like i want to know what this dynamic is between this team is so many cool adventures and when you look at the team there's only two people from earth on the team everyone else is an alien you know uh, yeah it's uh it's really cool I'll have to start giving some thought to it. <laughs> <laughs> please, please do. But, yeah, nothing, um, nothing would be more fun than that. So, yeah, it, it was. Uh, you know, my hats off to you because that that was one of the the better serials slash even. You know, it's too bad the market wasn't there. It would have been an awesome you know mini series, but you know it was one of the cooler Savage Dragon related offshoots that. That I've read, you know. Well, well, it was nice, you know. I mean, that was kind of it, was to reintroduce, really, the whole bunch of the characters, you know, to the people that that were reading Dragon anyway, you know, so. Yeah. um, Yeah, I still don't know if that's enough of a market to, you know, to to start doing a book on... um, yeah, I, I guess I, I've lost my nerve as far as <laughs> attempting. Yeah, the, trying out. Yeah, the uh, the direct market, you know. Yeah, it's well, I can't. It's tough, especially with a character like Vanguard that doesn't have exposure as it is, but yet has history. So it's tough for to get new readers to get invested in that, you know, that history. And I. Yeah. It's just it's just too bad because it is so good, and it would it should have mass market appeal for what it is but it's just i don't have any ideas it's just the state of the market now too i think you know i think there's a lot of great comics out there that aren't going to get published because there's not enough people buying comics yeah that's it yeah period shrinking yeah yeah frank and i we've never gone off and become big names on our own so you can't sell a book on either of our names 
Well, I hope that you do continue to do this kind of thing, like even if it's only occasionally and even if it's a backup or just like a one-off or, or whatever. And so we can, you know, everybody can check in with these characters and we can see what's happening. And because, uh, you know, it's not, it, it the, regardless of the market, I know Vanguard has fans and I see people talking about Vanguard. I see people going, oh, you know, I love the backup this month, and 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 it's, you know, I actually see a lot of people talking about that on like Facebook and Twitter, and, and people that aren't, you know, um, regular letter hacks or members of the Savage Dragon boards or anything like that. Like people, at least know Vanguard, at least because probably a lot of people have that first issue of Vanguard from 1993. <laughs> that you're talking, you know, like a lot of people know Vanguard, and, and there's a hundred thousand uh, copies out there. Yeah, somebody's so got to have them. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I, uh, I know that it's a it's a beloved character, and 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 I you know hope that more people will get to enjoy it. Definitely. Well, I I do hope this uh, this um, the backups get collected in some form in the near future. Yeah, I'm hoping I, I that would be fun. You know, uh, again, I mean that's that's probably up to Eric and. Yeah. Who knows? You know, in one form or another. I mean, uh, Frank was talking about doing some E3 and stuff, but I don't know whether something like that would go, you know, just in, as print on demand or right. a website and, somewhere and make it available just online for people to read it, you know. so Right. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this on prior podcasts, but there's new avenues out there now like things like kickstarter and stuff like that that's true the digital market is growing you know should get get vanguard's uh, full body onto comiXology at some point yeah oh for sure sure so so besides uh, uh what you told us about big bang do you have anything else in the pipeline or is is uh is that about it uh yeah at the moment that's all i've been doing is uh um, trying to get some of the old Big Bang stuff back to where it can be reprinted and hopefully colored some of it, you know. Yeah, but you yeah, definitely I, have to let us know when when it gets to that point where we can get the word out because you know I'd like to see that really succeed so we could get some more collections. So, so you're looking to get the stuff that wasn't colored in Big Bang colored for the uh, new reprints? Well, I, I think. The initial reprints are going to be uh, um, black and white. I mean, they're going to be like 200-page black and white. What do they call them? Archives or essentials. Showcases The Pulp uh, 2.0 books. Yeah, those. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the plan, um, which I don't know. I mean, like I said, to me... The color seems essential, but there's so much of that other stuff out there where they're reprinting in black and white that it's not. I don't know how much uh, influence you have over how the book's put together, but uh, <laughs> they're using line art or they're making grayscale scans of the original because that can make a big difference over reproduction in black and white. Uh, what do you mean? I mean, are they going to be reprinting the line art alone or are they going like to be the original art or the uh, color scans just turned black and white? Oh no! Um, because that doesn't usually look very good. No, it doesn't. I. It's going to be mostly uh, from the line art. I mean, we're scanning from from backups. Uh, I, awesome. I think 
in the Night Watchman stuff, I think there's one, there's a little bit of uh, gray shading in one of them, which people like the way it looked. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's just the straight line art. Definitely have to check that out when it becomes available. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, keep an eye on at least the Big Bang website. I mean, there'll be some kind of a notice there, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll link that for our listeners. <coughs> cool. Well, well, I think any other questions, guys? I have a million more, but I think you know, I'd like to say maybe we can have uh, Gary back on another time. And oh, whenever chew his ear off <laughs> if he's, <laughs> he's open to it. But um, try to get him and Gary and Frank in the same room, or at yeah, least on the same yeah, episode that'd be or really something. Cool. Maybe. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. Well, I really appreciate your time uh, talking to us. It's it's oh, been I'm... a blast. We learned a lot. You know, we really enjoyed your work. Oh, thanks for having me. It's nice, uh, <laughs> nice to talk to somebody about it. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, thanks, Gary. Yep, thank you very much. All right, have a good night. All right, thanks. we'll see ya. So next episode, we should have uh, Savage Dragon 185 in our hot hands. Uh, in fact, if I at the time we're recording this, it should be out in the next few hours. So that's to be looking Ooh. forward to. Or at least for me. I don't know about you guys who go buy your, your paper books. <laughs> <laughs> when does the digital come out? Like at oh, what time? about 10 a.m. I don't know. Sometime really? in the morning. I'm usually asleep at that time. But it's usually there when I wake up around noon, noonish. So that's handy. Uh, cool. So what was that, Craig? I said it's very cool. That's going to be out tomorrow. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm want, uh, I wonder if there will be a backup. I honestly don't know. There's no backup this time around. Just one of those nice classic fat letter sections. Oh, he got super wow. big letter section. It's nice to have when letters. Was the, when was the last time there wasn't a backup? It's been a while, I but uh, there back was, issues. Yeah. Or the wiki that would probably be faster. But uh, next issue, uh, one eighty-five, titled "The Verdict." Savage Dragon is on trial for crimes he committed when he had reverted to his Emperor Kerr persona. Now the world is his witness as the shocking verdict is read. Meanwhile, Malcolm Dragon has troubles of his own. Thunderhead. And, oh, Thunderhead and Double Page. And so, uh, so yeah. Should be a interesting is- issue in general to see what the fate of Dragon's going to be. Yeah, definitely. I have my theories. Do you want to uh, divulge? Uh, I think he's going to prison. Yeah. I think he's going to stay there for a while. And you think, like, Malcolm's going to go to him for advice? Like, yeah. talk to him through uh, the glass and the phone. the phone? Yeah. Hmm. I hope not, but I could I could see that happening. Should be interesting. We'll know in a few hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It was a great episode. I had a lot of fun talking to Gary. Yeah, that was a good time. It's always great when we have really cool creative people on i mean that's like in my wildest dreams i never expected to have so many awesome people on the show yeah yeah can i can i say something about gary yes sure one of the things that i really like about his writing and uh um we should mention that gary's actually written you know a fair amount of stuff he also wrote supreme for a bit uh before alan moore's run ninja um turtles. ninja turtles that image he, he's a really yeah, we good did. writer we didn't even hit on the Ninja Turtles. 
yeah, so we we'll get him on again and maybe talk about that stuff. And uh, but what I really like about his his writing is that there's a real heart to it. Like he's mm-hmm. he's good at telling like comic book stories and and you know doing the normal kind of drama and action and romance and and funny stuff. Obviously, like there's a lot of funny stuff in Vanguard, but um, I think especially you see in the last chapter uh, in Dragon 184, um, he has a uh, you know, he's able to, to make a story really kind of touching without being, you know, saccharine or sentimental. And um, I always really liked that about him. And I thought that that um, set him apart from uh, a lot of his peers. And so uh, you should buy more of his comics and go to MegatonComics.com, BigBangComics.com. And uh, yeah, Gary's awesome. Yeah, I second that. I'll third it. What the heck? <laughs> cool. All right. Savage uh, Fincast episode 16, signing out. The Savage Fincast is a part of the Gutter Trash Network and the Image Addiction family of podcasts. It can be found at either fincast.guttertrash.net or imageaddiction.net. <laughs>